thank you so much for tuning in to Northridge Church Podcast. We're so glad to have you as part of our weekly service. For more information, please visit us online at northridgethomaston.com. Now prepare your hearts as we dive into God's Word. Mark Twain once said, the two most important days of your life are number one, the day that you're born. Number two, the day you find out why. I think everybody asks the question at some point in their life, why am I here? What makes my life significant? What gives my life meaning? The ultimate question this morning, what is my purpose? Internalize it for just a second. Think about it for just a moment. What is your purpose? I think it's the number one most asked question, whether you acknowledge it or not, whether you raise your hand and say, oh, I I ask myself that all the time, whether you admit that or not, I think we all, multiple times in our life, come to that end of that rope to say, what is the meaning of life? Why am I here? What is my purpose? Finding your purpose cannot be discovered on television. It cannot be figured out uh, on social media. It's not something that you can Google search and quickly find what is your meaning for your life, what were you designed to do, what, was, what is your purpose personally. It's nothing we can find even uh, in a confidant, in a, in a best friend, or in a spouse, or uh, in, in a coach that loves us or adores us or a teacher. It's not something you can, just, you can just pull out your phone and just quickly figure it out a few moments later and be able to tell people, oh, well, here's the meaning of my life. Here's what I'm supposed to do. Here's what my calling is. Someone told me, said, David, I was asking, you know, in high school, I was trying to contemplate the idea, what is my purpose? What am I here to do? Why was I put on this earth? And I remember someone asked me, said, they said, David, won't you just look within? What does that even mean? Just, just look within right? Maybe in your own mind, in your own uh, intellect, right? In your own consciousness, maybe you just close your eyes and meditate for a second. Just look within. You will be able to tell yourself what your purpose is. I don't think that's true whatsoever. I don't think that's possible. Um, You cannot tell you what you are supposed to do. You know why? Because you didn't make you, right? You didn't invent you. You did not intelligently design you. So you cannot uh, you, you cannot come up with the, with the answer of the question, what is my purpose, because you didn't make yourself. How many of you guys love the TV show Shark Tank? Anybody love Shark Tank? Man, I, lo- I love that show. Uh, Shark Tank is, is a lot of fun. It's really cool. Um, but I remember, and I actually have on a, a t- uh, my undershirt, it's called the Thompson T. Go look it up on YouTube. Type in Thompson T, Shark Tank, if you've seen that episode. Uh, but that's the undershirt that I have on today. It, it does not allow you to sweat through your, your outer garment. It does not allow you to sweat through your T-shirt. So uh, I love this thing, man. It's awesome. It's like the best 28 bucks I ever spent in my life was to get this really cool invented uh, undershirt, right? It's, like, it's got like diapers sewn into the sleeve like it won't allow you to sweat through uh i swear i'm not even joking but you can look it up but i love shark tank shark tank is so cool it's so awesome but they'll hold up an invention right they'll they'll walk into the room full of sharks and they'll start to to describe what they have invented and a lot of times you and i on the tv screen we're just watching and we're kind of raise our eyebrow like huh what in the world was that invented for? What in the world does that thing do, that invention? What does it do? And guess what? The only, we can't assume, we can't make it up. The only way that we can determine what that thing's purpose is, is number one, sit back and listen to the creator, sit back and listen to the inventor, or we could just read the owner's manual, Right? which was written by the creator of the thing, right? It was written by the one who invented the thing. 
back in the 1800s, the Frisbee was designed, right? And, and it was designed, it was actually an accident. Um, so back in 1857, there was a guy named William Frisbee. That was his name, William Frisbee. And he started a pie company. It was called uh, Frisbee Pie Company. And this was up in Connecticut, Brid- Bridgeport, Connecticut. And basically, after people had consumed the pies, there was just this metal tin little plate that the pies came on, and the college students started throwing them around the restaurant, hitting each other upside the head. It was just kind of a fun thing. And they started called them Frisbees because that was the last name of the guy who invented it. Well, fast forward to 1952 when uh, Whammo was the name of the company that kind of purchased the name Frisbee and they kind of took things to the next level and created this, uh, you know, this thermoplastic aerodynamic plastic disc and they called it a Frisbee. And, you know, again, people looking at it go, what is that? You know, if I was to hand uh, Graceland a, a Frisbee, she would look at it and, and flip it upside down and be like, eat, eat, right? Put something on. It looks like a plate, right? It's, it's round. It's circular. It looks like she would eat from it, right? She doesn't know unless she's been told. No, no, no. This is not for eating. This is for throwing. You know, this is a game. We throw the Frisbee. She wouldn't know until I told her. And maybe sometimes in our life we're the same way that we look at life and we have a big question mark, wondering why I'm, what am I here for? What is my purpose? And we don't know maybe because no one's told us. No one's told us that you can't find meaning in your job. You cannot find significance in your career. You can't find purpose in your bank account. You can't do that. You have to come to the one who is the creator, the giver. Ultimately, he is life, right? John 14, 6 says what? I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father. No one comes to the Creator God. No one gets to heaven unless it's through me. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 11 and 12. I have it. Well, I think we have it up here on the screen. If not, I'm just going to read it. Ephesians 1, this is the message version. It says, it's in Christ that we find out who we are and what we're living for. Long before we first heard of Christ and got our hopes up, He had His eye on us. He designs had designs on us for glorious living, part of the overall purpose that he is working out in everything and in everyone. So it's only in Christ, guys. It's only in a relationship with Jesus that you can even figure out, even begin to wrap your mind around why you're here on this earth. It is in Christ that we find out who we are, and might I say whose we are, and what we are living for. Last week, Pastor Mark did a fabulous job of unpacking uh, the question, an encounter with our Creator God, right? He talked about how the the earth has been intelligently designed. Uh, He kind of, you know, dabbled on a little bit of creationism versus evolution and and, and just really unpacked this idea of of the God of the cosmos, the the star-breathing God. He he spoke into everything into existence. And and, and maybe we were listening to that, and maybe, just maybe, you've thought about that many a times before, but, you know, Romans chapter 1 says that many Men will stand before God without an excuse because of creation, that we have seen his, his, his visible qualities, right? We have seen uh, all of creation. We know that there has to be something bigger to life than just us, these little specks of dust on earth. There's got to be something more. We've seen all of creation. We've seen everything that he's made. We will stand before God one day without an excuse. So maybe, just maybe, you're thinking last week about this, the God of the cosmos, right? The God who breathed everything, everything into existence, the God of the galaxies, Right? Well, guys, this morning I want to I zero in that, yes, he is an all-powerful, all-knowing, omnibenevolent God. He's all good, and he always will. He's all-knowing everywhere at once, all-powerful. But, guys, we can have a personal encounter, and we can know our, pers- our purpose for life if we just surrender to Christ. We just surrender to him 
as the creator of everything, right? Colossians 1, listen, Colossians 1, 16 through 18 says this. We look at the Son, and we see the God who cannot be seen. In other words, Jesus is the visible image of the invisible God. That's who Jesus is, right? So we look at the Son, and we see the God who cannot be seen. We look at this Son, and we see God's original purpose in everything created, right? It says that that all things were made by him and for him and through him. For everything, absolutely everything, above and below, visible and invisible, rank after rank of angels, everything got started in him, in Christ, and finds its purpose in him. Everything finds its purpose in the person of Jesus. He was there before any of it came into existence, and he holds it all together right up to this moment. I mean, I just loved last week, Pastor Mark was talking about how the earth is tilted at a 24 and a half degree uh, tilt on its axis, spinning a thousand miles per hour around on its axis, also orbiting the sun at 11,000. I mean, just blew my mind on, on just, wow, man, that God truly is holding the earth in, his, in the palm of his hand. He truly is sustaining us. He is all-powerful. He is all-knowing. We're just not just flung out into the galaxies. That He truly is holding us. He is holding our life together. And it was just so cool just thinking about that and just how humbled I was last week. I mean, I don't know if you were sitting there, but, man, I just felt like I was shrinking in my seat. I just felt like, man, I'm nothing. I am just a speck of dust on this earth compared to how big the sun is, how big the earth is, how, how vast. And just I, was just I just felt so small last week and just so humbled that, man, who am I? Who am I that God, the God of the universe, the, the God who spoke everything into, who am I that he wants to personally know me? Who am I? I'm nobody. I am nobody. Why would God care to save me? Why would he care to step off his throne to come into he- down to, to, to earth for me? I don't deserve that. Not one bit whatsoever. There's a, there's a religion called deism, right? And deism believes that God spends, created the world, put it in motion, and then he stepped back. And he's just letting the earth go as it is. He's not personal. That's what a, a deist believes, right? But Christianity believes, yes, God spoke the earth into existence, put it in motion, and he stepped in. He stepped into the person of Jesus. Everybody's trying to figure out, how do I get to heaven? How do I find my purpose in life? And, and you've all seen it on YouTube, right? Years and years ago on the Oprah Winfrey show that she said, well, there's many ways, right? And someone stood up and said, no, there's only one way. And then some lady said, no, there's many ways. It's all, it's, we're all going to figure it out eventually. And that one lady, and she was bold to stand up in that room of hundreds of audience members. She said, I'm sorry to tell you, Miss Oprah, but there is only one way. And his name is Jesus. And about half the, the, the crowd erupted and, and cheering and clapping and and amen and stuff like that. But listen, he is it. He is the only way. And we find our purpose, we find our existence, we find meaning and significance for our life only with a relationship with Jesus. If you believe me this morning, let me just hear you say amen. Can I? All right. Amen. But people are trying to find significance in other things. People are trying to find value for their life in other things other than following Jesus. You, you, you've done it. I, I've done it. There's a famous football player. His name's Tom Brady. Most of you have, have heard that name. If you follow sports, New England Patriots, there was an interview on YouTube a few years ago, and, uh, and Tom Brady had just signed 
a $60 million six-year contract with the New England Patriots. Now, now just remember that Tom Brady was 30 years old, had already won three Super Bowl rings, and he was on this interview on this news channel, and the person interviewing Tom said, man, listen, dude, your net worth is phenomenal, $180 million. It's, it's, It's unbelievable. You just signed a $60 million contract with the New England Patriots. Uh, which, by the way, guys, boils down to $35,000 a day. So, um, you know, making $35,000 every day for, for a year is, um, we, can't even, we can't even wrap our mind around that. And the interviewer asked, asked Tom Brady, said, how do you feel, man? How do you feel, dude? I mean, dude, you, you're rich. You're famous. Like, people love you. Like, you have three Super Bowl rings. You're, you're 30. That's unheard of. Like, you know, you're, you're, you have everything you could ever ask. Everything you could ever ask for. And here's what Tom Brady said in the interview. He said, yeah, but I just feel like there's something more important in my life. I feel like I'm missing something. There's got to be something more out there. The reporter said, well, what is it, Tom? What do you you mean there's something more? You, You just signed a contract making 30 grand a day. Like, what do you mean there's something more out there? He says, what are you missing? Tom said, I thought I had everything. He said, but I really don't know what I'm missing. I wish I had the answer. Unbelievable interview. Just go on YouTube and type it in, Tom Brady interview, um, what am I missing? Or I'm missing something, and it'll pop up. Unbelievable. He has everything he could ever ask, everything he could ever want. And, and he said, yeah, but I'm missing something. Well, let me tell you what that something is, Mr. Tom. It's Jesus. It's a relationship that's fully satisfying. It's a personal encounter, a personal relationship with Almighty God, the God of of creation, the God of the galaxies. He wants to personally know his creation. You will never find, listen, you will never find your purpose in life until you find a relationship with Jesus Christ. You won't do it. You will never find significance. You will never find meaning for your life. You will never figure out what that purpose is in life until you have an, your identity is in Christ. There's just something out there more. And I've said this once. I've said it a thousand times. I will not apologize for it. I say it just about every Wednesday. There is a God-sized hole in your soul that only God can fill. Write it down. Tattoo it to your heart. You have a God-sized hole in your soul that only God can fill. And here's the thing. This is not a new issue. This is, not, this is not like a 2018 problem that, man, people are working themselves to death. They're trying to earn a dollar. They're, built, they're, they're buying mansions. They're buying this, and they're buying that. And, you know, people are trying to fill this void in the heart by, by, by money and by fame and by uh, popularity. This is not a 2018 problem. This, is happening, this has been happening for hundreds. This has been happening for thousands of years. And I gave you a modern-day rich person view, but let me give you uh, an Old, ter- Old Testament rich person view. Everybody knows King David, and King David had a son named Solomon. Let me read to you what Solomon said. This is not on your screen. It was too much to type, so I said, I'll just read it. But Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verses 1 through 11 says this. Solomon says, I, I said to myself, come on, let's try pleasure. Let's look for the good things in life. But I found that this too was just meaningless. So I said, laughter is silly. What good does it do to, to seek pleasure? After much thought, I decided to just cheer myself up with wine. And while still seeking wisdom, I clutched at foolishness. In this way, I tried to experience the only happiness 
most people find during their brief life here on earth. Verse 4. I also tried to find meaning by building huge homes for myself and by planting beautiful vineyards. I made gardens and I made parks, filling them with all types of fruit trees. I built reservoirs to collect all the water to irrigate my many flourishing groves. I bought slaves, both men and women, and others were born into my household. I also owned large herds of flocks, more than any of the kings who had ever lived in Jerusalem before me. I collected great sums of money, silver and gold, the treasure of many kings and provinces. I hired wonderful singers, both men and women, and I had many beautiful concubines. I had everything that a man could possibly desire, verse 9. So I became greater than all who had ever lived in Jerusalem before me, and my wisdom never failed me. Anything that I wanted, I would take it. I denied myself no pleasure. I even found great pleasure in hard work, a reward for all of my labors. But as I looked, here it is. Here's the big crescendo. Here's the big punch. But as I looked at everything that I had worked so hard to accomplish, as I looked at everything that I had, it was all so meaningless, like chasing the wind. There was nothing really worthwhile anywhere. You ever tried to chase the wind? (laughs) You're not going to catch it, right? He was trying to chase after meaning for his life, significance. He was trying to find his purpose in life. Solomon had everything, right? The Bible said he had over a thousand concubines, right? Obviously he had an issue there. He, he had many houses and mansions and vineyards and, and groves and fruit trees. And you read, it had everything. Gold and silver. He said, I was more powerful and I had more influence. I had more money than any of the kings previous to me in, in Jerusalem. I had everything. Yet it didn't make him happy, guys. He didn't find purpose. He didn't find significance. He didn't find meaning for his life in his stuff, in the things that he held dear to his heart. And many of, many of us think that we'll, we'll come across it, right? We'll, we'll just Eventually, we'll just kind of stumble across our meaning. Eventually, if I just keep living my life, and I, if I'm just in the daily grind, and I'm just going to my job, and I'm trying to, trying to do what's right, I treat people good, I try to take care of my family, I keep going to work, maybe one day, I'll wake up and it'll just hit me like a ton of bricks. Maybe one day I'll just stumble across it. Your, your purpose in life is nothing you're just going to stumble across. It's something that you have a relationship with Jesus and you find it praying at the foot of the cross, okay? That's what you do. You find it when you surrender your life, give your life to God. And you say, Lord Jesus, I'm here and I'm here to serve you. I know you made me and I was intelligently designed. Everything, every part of me what was put there for a reason and for a purpose. I am who I am. I'm the height that I am, I'm the size that I am, the personality that I have, everything you created and you ordained, God. And I know that I can't just come come up with my own purpose. I can't come up with my own calling for life. What am I supposed to do? Who am I supposed to influence? What am I supposed to say? That doesn't come from within here. It comes from within here. It comes from a personal walk with Jesus Christ. You're not just going to stumble across it. The Bible talks about there's two different types of people in the world. I would say the people with purpose and the people with no purpose. But the Bible calls it in Luke 6, the wise and the foolish builder. It says this, Luke chapter 6, verse 46 through 49. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and you don't even do what I say? As for everyone who comes to me, you hear my word and you put it into practice. I'll show you what that person's like. They're like a man who who built a house who dug down deep and laid the foundation on the rock. 
when the floods came and the torrent struck that house, but it could not shake it because it was well built. Verse 49, but the one who hears my words, right? Romans 1 says we stand before God without an excuse. We've seen his work. We've seen his handiwork. We've seen all creation. People have been preaching to us our whole life, talking to us about Jesus. We've heard. He hears my words, but he doesn't do them. He hears my word, but he doesn't put them into practice. He is like a man who also built a house, but he built, but he built the house on the ground without a foundation. He built it on the sand. He built it on the ground without a foundation. The moment that the torrent struck that house, it collapsed, and its destruction was complete. So the question is, very simple, what are you building your life on? Because what we're building our life on, the foundation in which we have, you say, David, I'm building my life on my family. Everything I do is for my family. Ask Job. Your family can be taken away just like that. Yeah, David, I'm building my life on my career. I'm building my life on my job. I went to school for four years or, or six years or eight years, and I got a great paying job, and everything I do is for my career. I feel like, I feel like that's why I was put. Listen, 750,000 people in the United States lose their job every month. Your job can be, can be taken away just like that. Gone. Everything that you do, guys, if it's not built on the person of Jesus, on the word of Almighty God, live in your life for this. Live within the pages. One of my professors told me that at Bible college. I've never forgotten that. He, he just thumped it like this. He said, live within these pages. Live your life as though you are a disciple of Christ. You want to see miracles happen. You want to see incredible things happen. It's, a being an, it's an adventure living for Jesus. It's an adventure. It's not boring. It's not come here, sit down, go to work, come back next. It's not about that. It's every, every day of your life, you are the church. You are the hands and feet of Jesus. You are the body of Christ. You're the body of Christ at the mechanic shop, at the hospital, in the school system, everywhere you go. You are the body of Christ. You are living and breathing, moving, a picture of Jesus, an example of Jesus. Your life is a billboard. What are you advertising? What are you building your life on? As the band gets ready to come, listen, we went down to Exfuge down in Orlando several years ago for youth camp. Exfuge is a mission camp. Um, I just, it's just my opinion. Any, anytime I have an opportunity to take kids away for a week, one week a year, we're going to go do some missions. That's just, it is what it is. So um, this, this, uh, next week, we're going to uh, Myrtle Beach. We partner up with Barefoot uh, Community Church up in Myrtle Beach. We're going to be helping them get ready for their school that they're starting in August. We're going to be moving furniture. We're going to be painting. We're going to be doing all sorts of different things. It's going to be a lot of fun, a lot of cool mission work. But a few years ago, we went down to Exfuge uh, down in Orlando at a homeless ministry called Matthew's Hope. And at this homeless ministry, um, there was a guy named Bill who was kind of overseeing everything, and, um, and he was showing us around. He was giving us a tour of the campus. I'm like, hey, here's where we you know, let homeless people come in. They had these mobile showers, and people would come in. They'd take a shower. They'd give them toothbrush and toothpaste and let them get a clean shave and stuff like that. And over here, they had the pantry. And basically what Matthew's Hope did is they had a lot of property, huge garden, and the homeless people would come in, and they would work the garden for points. And basically they paid them 10 points an hour. And basically these points, these were so they could spend it on using the shower trailer or using uh, um, the pantry. They could buy food. They could buy, and all the food was donated, but they did everything off a point system. So it kind of held them accountable. They would come. They would work for a few hours in the garden or work cutting grass, whatever. And then they'd say, hey, you've earned up your points. Now come. And they're trying to teach them things. So it was really cool. But this, but this guy, Bill, he told us that he worked his way through up. He's worked his way through the system, worked his way all the way up. He said a few years ago, he stumbled in as a homeless person from St. Louis. He hitched hiked 
from St. Louis all the way to Orlando. We're like, why Orlando? He's like, I don't know. I just, I just felt like I was supposed to come to Orlando. So he got down here, heard word of the homeless ministry, started working the garden. Well, he just started coming every day. He was like racking up on the points, right? I mean, he was getting like thousands of points a week. They're like, man, this guy's a hard worker. Like, man, this guy really, he really, he really wants to do something. Like, man, let, let, let's offer him a job. So Matthew's Hope saw that he was, you know, doing good. He was, he was doing great, and he was, had a good work ethic. So they offered him a job to work with Matthew's Hope. Long story short, he, he, he worked his way all the way up to the system. And now he was, he's helping run the homeless ministry, helping pour back into people. But we asked him, we said, hey, man, how did you make it when you first got down here? Like, how did you, how did it, how did you, how did you make it? He said, well, I was a carpenter in St. Louis. He said, I love working with my hands. He said, I had built, I had so many tools. I had a whole trailer full of tools. He said, I had my own business. He said, but in 2008, he said, man, just everything collapsed. And he said, I had no job. I had no work in St. Louis. He said, I got, he said, week after week after week, I had no work and no job and no job. He said, so I sold all my tools. Everything that he had worked so hard for, he sold it just so he, so, so he could put food on the table. Ended up being homeless, lost his house, moving down to Orlando. And I said, I said, but how did you find your purpose here? He said, well, he said, well, I didn't have a purpose at first. He said this. I never forgot it. He said, what good is a carpenter without his tools? What good is a carpenter without his tools? He said, I had no purpose. I had no meaning for my life. Everything I had worked for, everything that I had was gone. He said, but until I came down here and I got plugged into this homeless ministry, he said, I gave my life to Jesus. He said, Jesus gave my life purpose, not my tools. He said, but Jesus gave my life purpose. So the question is, is what good is a house without a foundation? What good is a life without a purpose? What is your purpose this morning? What are you building your life on? Don't let it be your stuff. Don't let it be your career. Don't let it be your bank account. Don't let it be your family, your friends. Not even your hobbies. It's not about that. A relationship with Jesus. And here's the thing. Once you have that relationship with Jesus, he wants to use all those things that you have. Once you give your life to Christ, he wants to give purpose to your life, and he's probably going to use all that stuff that you've had. He wants to use your family. He wants to use your hobbies. He wants to use your talents and your gifts and your abilities, your tools. He wants to use those. But he just wants you to take a step back first, surrender to him, say, it's not about me. It's not about what I think. Listen, man, when I was 18, I was in high school as a senior. I got handed a sheet of paper that changed my life. Coach Majors handed me a sheet of paper. Senior night, senior year football game, Matthews Field halftime. They were going to announce all the seniors and what we were going to do with our life. He handed me a sheet of paper the week before. He said, David, fill this out and bring it to me tomorrow. I looked at it. It said, name, where are you going to school, future plans. Uh-oh, <laughs> Right? Any, 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 any high school kid would have said that. Uh-oh. I said, Coach, I, I, I'll give it to you next week. I got to think about this, right? So the football game was coming up on Friday. Went to church that next day. Pastor Bill Barber at First Baptist, I was going there at the time, and he preached a message about your purpose. Preached a message about God's plan and his calling for your life. <laughs> Obviously perfect timing, right? Had that sheet of paper and on the way home, I was driving my truck. We were living out 36 at the time. And I remember I could take you to the spot. I was coming down 36. I, just, I was just coming up the hill. Uh, Peach Belt was on my right. The, the big cemetery was about to be on my left. I was coming up that hill when I saw the sun going down. 
it was on a Sunday night after church or Wednesday night, I can't remember, but I remember the sun was going down and I was coming up that hill and God spoke to me. He said, David, I want you to be in the ministry. I was like, I just, I just started crying. I got goosebumps. I, was just, I didn't say anything. I didn't say anything all the way home. I was like, man, is that it? Is that, is that really what I'm supposed to do? And I just, I just knew. I knew. It wasn't an audible voice. I, just, I can't explain it. It was in my mind. It was in my heart. It was in my soul that I was supposed to be in the ministry. I didn't know what that looked like. I didn't know what that meant other than I was supposed to do what God called me to do. So I got home. I pulled up in the driveway. And the whole week, right, I've been thinking about this. Like, what am I supposed to do? What am I going to write on this paper? They're going to call me out in front of thousands of people on Matthew's Field. And I'm supposed to stand in the middle of the field. And they're going to tell these seniors. They're going to tell everybody, the whole world what I'm supposed to do. Where am I going to go to school? All week I've been stressing about this, thinking about it. What am I supposed to do? What am I going to do with my life? I pulled up in the driveway. I walked in the living room. First thing I saw was my dad sitting on the, sitting on the love seat. I said, Daddy, I got to tell you something. He said, what? I said, Daddy, I feel like God's called me into the ministry. <laughs> Daddy, Daddy had the biggest smile on his face. He said, I know. I said, what? He said, he got a shrug his shoulder. He said, I've known your whole life, David. I'm like, why didn't you tell me? Like, he said, I never forget this. Oh my gosh, I never forget this. He said, David, what God has called you to do is between you and him. He says, it's got nothing to do with me. That stuck with me my whole life. What God has called you to do, parents, listen to me. What God has called your children to do is between them and the Lord. It's got nothing to do with you. Wrote down on the paper. Oh, and then my mom came in. My mom had something funny to say. I said, Mama, I said, did you know about this? <laughs> right? Did you know I was going? She said, David, no joke. She said, David, we're at the Chitlin Hoedown. You hadn't even turned two years old yet. You were in a stroller. Who, anybody been to the Chitlin Hoedown? Whoever, who's been to the Chitlin Hoedown and hadn't eaten no Chitlins? Yeah, okay, yeah, me too. I go away from that smell, right? Um, show me the funnel cakes, right? I don't want to do it. All right. But I said, Mama, I said, you knew about this? You know him the whole time? She's like, David, she said, you, were two, you weren't even two years old. We were pushing you in a stroller at the Chitlin Hoedown. She said, this elderly lady came up, stopped me. She said, what's that boy's name? My mom's like, David? She said, David's going to be a preacher. My mom said, what? She said, that boy right there is going to grow up. He's going to be a preacher. My mom said this. She immediately said, oh, you mean you talk, his dad's a preacher? She said, I don't know who his daddy is. It don't matter what he does. That boy's going to be a preacher. Prophesied over me before I was even two years old. She didn't tell me that until that day in the living room. I was 18. She said, David, I've waited my whole life to tell you this. She said, we've been so excited our whole life. But again, it had nothing to do with me. Had nothing to do with my parents. It had everything to do with what God what his calling was, what his purpose was for me. And I never knew it until I finally surrendered and said, God, what do you want me to do? My whole life, I thought I was going to follow my dad's footsteps and own a, a carpet business or be a carpenter or paint. He's always worked with his hands. Had a great paying job at 18, 19, 20, and 21 here in Thompson. Two different companies offered me a, a great salary that I would be making more then at 21 than I am now at 30. And I'm just always just like, God, what, what am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to do? It was all according to his plan. So what's your plan? Your plan should be falling your face before holy God and ask him, God, what am I building my life on? Am I trying to create my own purpose? Am I trying to create meaning for my own life? You can't tell you what you're supposed to do because you didn't make you. You come to the designer. You come to the one who invented you, the one who intelligently created you and all the complexity that you have. You come to him. 
You read this owner's manual. You get in this book, and this book will get in you. Every head bowed, every eye closed. You may be sitting here this morning, you're wondering, man, I don't, I don't know my purpose. I'm not sure if I, if I even have a, a purpose for my life, David. Well, the bigger question is, do you know Jesus? Because either you don't know, it's, it's either these are your options here. You don't know Christ personally as a personal walk with him. Or maybe you do know Christ, but maybe you just still haven't surrendered everything of your life over to him. Listen, I know people. I know people who I graduated with told me what they were called to do. To this day, they're not doing it and they're miserable, but they know. They have been told by God. They know what they're called to do. Never forget when my good friends told me he was called to be a worship pastor senior in high school. He told me that. He said, I know God's called me to be a worship pastor. To this day, he's not doing it and he is miserable. He's miserable. I've talked to him. He feels like he can't go back. He said he can't surrender. It's been too long. He's wasted too many years. He already has a career. He already has a job. He can't rewind and go back to buy. Listen, that's between you and the Lord, man. I'm just reminding you what you told me years ago that you told me that God called you to do. Just trying to hold him a little bit of accountable. So if you don't know Christ this morning, listen, it's not about, it's not about a magical prayer. It's not about lip service. Repeat these words. after. It's not about that. You put this in your own heart. The Bible says that God, John 6, 44, God does the drawing. He draws you in. It's the Holy Spirit of God. Well, you, you know the Bible. We, we preach it here that, that you're a sinner. You're a born sinner destined to go to hell without a relationship with Jesus Christ. You have to surrender your life, give your life over to God. Let him be the Lord. You're no longer in charge. You're no longer the captain. You're no longer CEO of your life. You surrender that. You give it to God and you follow his word. You follow his calling. So just put this in your own words. When I was a kid, I prayed something similar to this. I said, dear God in heaven, I know I'm a sinner, and I know I've failed you. God, I ask you to come into my heart right now. Forever save me and change me. Help me to live for you. Simple prayer of faith. I'm going to give you guys a moment. Do business with God. Maybe you're praying for salvation right now. Just talk to God like you'd be talking to your friend. Maybe, just maybe, you're in here and you know, you know that you know God. You know that you're saved. But maybe you're like, you're like that one sheep that's kind of gone astray. You've left the pack. You've left the flock. Kind of each to their own way, right, the Old Testament says. You feel like you kinda, you're kind of wandering around aimlessly with no purpose, but you know you know Jesus. How about you just get things right today? The most beautiful verse in Scripture for any believer is 1 John 1, 1.9. It says, if you, notice it's on you. If you, you have to take responsibility for your life. You have to take responsibility for your actions. If you confess your sin, nobody can confess the sin for you. You can't come to the preacher and say, hey, this, this, this is what I've done wrong. Will you please talk to God for me? Listen, it's not about that. You go boldly before the throne. If you confess your sin, the Bible says God is faithful. Aren't you glad he's never given up on you? He's faithful. He's faithful to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us, to clean you up from all unrighteousness, every wrong. It's not about you getting your act together then coming. You just come to Jesus all jacked up, messed up, hooked up on all that. Listen, you just come to Jesus broken, all types of broken pieces, and he'll make masterpieces. Amen? So maybe that's you this morning. You know you know Jesus, but you're not right with him. Why don't you just pray a prayer of faith right now? God, forgive me. Forgive me for living in sin. I know I'm not living right. I know, God, I've gotten off the wrong path. But today, I want to refocus, rededicate my life back to you. I want to get things back right, God. In Jesus' name.